This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. How we doing, Bible nerds? Let's talk about fruit in Jesus. I don't know how to open this one, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, so we're talking about fruit and, and being able to see the fruit that we've been looking at in people. Yeah. Um, Jesus in the famous Sermon on the Mount. This is one of the most famous sermons, maybe the most famous sermon of Jesus in all of the Gospels. And this is a text that's at the end. There's only two other stories before Jesus ends the sermon. Yeah. So this is like towards the very end of all of his teaching. This is one of the things he wants to leave his people with. The text says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. (sighs) Want to take a stab at that one? Nope. I'm not touching it. Uh, uh, I this is that is a conversation that I could go into on a different podcast, but definitely not this podcast or this episode. Well, I think I think the fact of the matter is is that what Jesus is saying is that there are going to be people that rise up proclaiming a message of fruit. And yet, who their goal and motive is to commit fruit abuse. Yeah. Um, go and listen to the episode on Let's Talk About Toxic Masculinity in the Church. <laughs> I don't think that's the only one. No, but um, like, it's a pretty good example. It is a good example. I, and I think, now, I do want to be careful. Because one of the things that I have noticed to be true is that anyone can call anyone a false prophet if they have a narrative different than mine. Mm. Fair enough. Now, I I would call lots of people false prophets. Right. Um, anyone that's ever been featured on Preachers and Sneakers, false prophet. Um, anyone that's ever oppressed a, perpen, a person via a message of grace, false prophet. Um, (laughs) I could point to a lot of people and say, yeah, those are false prophets. But then I also think there are probably a lot of people that look at me Mm -hmm. and go, Hey, false prophet, because I have a narrative that's contradictory to theirs. Right. Um, so I, I don't think this is a moment where we should be like shaming people. Sure. Right. Um, but I do think that's the setup here is Jesus says, hey, there are going to be people and they're going to be false prophets and they're going to come with a message. And question. Mm-hmm. If it's could, is what Jesus is saying that false prophets are people that have 
different narratives than himself? Yes. So, with that being said, that is what makes a false prophet a false prophet, not mm-hmm. necessarily a differing opinion. Well, but it's very different. In Jesus' time, a false prophet would have been anybody that made a prophecy that didn't come true. Right. I mean, literally, you the Old Testament says you know a prophet based on whether or not what they prophesy comes true. Right. Okay. So that's Jesus' context. Second Temple Judaism, prophets are prophets if what they say comes true. On this side of it, and the way that we look and think and talk about prophecy, it's not quite that one-dimensional anymore. Um, and so I think literally anyone can be a false prophet. Okay. And because anyone can be a false prophet, and based on the way that we think about prophecy, you have to redefine what it is. Mm-hmm. And in redefining what it is, now on this side of the resurrection, I think false prophets are people who have a, an ulterior motive in the message of Jesus. Mm. Okay. that That's what I would say is a false prophet. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, verse 16, this is what Jesus says right after his comment about false prophets. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad trees bear bad fruit. Yes, that, mm-hmm. that. Um, now, have you ever had... Have you ever had a fruit where you, in looking at it, you were like, oh my goodness, that looks like it's about to be so good. And then you bit into it and it was tart or it wasn't quite what you were expecting and you didn't enjoy it? Yeah. Okay. So does that mean that fruit's bad? No. Okay. So what does that mean? It just means that it wasn't ready to be eaten. It it, It just means that it wasn't. It wasn't quite what it could have been. Right. I would still classify that as a good fruit. I say it all the time. I think I think that we are harder on ourselves than God is. Mm-hmm. And I think most of the time, God is looking down at us going, you're doing better than you think you are. Mm-hmm. So in the same way, I think even in its own metaphor, there are going to be times where you have a fruit that looks good, but yet still is not fully developed, maybe right. is how we'll say it. That's still a good fruit. That, that's not, that doesn't make it an inherently a bad fruit. just hasn't ripened enough yet. Correct. Now, there are bad fruit. Yeah. Like 100% bad fruit. And this is an area where it's kind of black and white. You have good fruit or you have bad fruit. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, I want you to be aware of this, that this is going to happen. There are going to be these people that rise up, and we're going to call them false prophets. You can know whether or not they're a false prophet or not 
by their fruits. So what what are the fruits that we're looking for? Obviously, false prophet, that's a negative thing. So bad fruits come from false prophets. Good fruits come from good prophets. Right. So what's some good fruits? Well, everything that we talked about uh, on the uh, <clears throat> um, fruits of the spirit episode. Mm-hmm. Um, which are all characteristics of Jesus. That's so, it. That's it. We we picked the fruit of the spirit because it was an easy piece of content for the metaphor. But what fruit really is is it's it's the actions, activity, and activity that we see in the person of Jesus. Um, I don't look at anything in the life of Jesus and go, that's bad fruit. Mm. There's not a single thing that I can point to and go, that's bad fruit. Yeah. Even when he loses his mind in the temple and he's turning tables and no, not bad fruit. That's a righteous anger, indignation as false prophets are oppressing people in a place of worship. Right. There's not a single thing that I can think of or point to in Jesus that I would call bad fruit. In fact, he's oozing good fruit. Literally, coming out of his pores Mm. is good fruit. I mean, he heals a woman without even knowing he healed or without even intentionally actively trying to heal her. She just touches his robe. Yeah. He's just radiating good fruit. He's radiating good fruit. And Jesus says, you will know them by their fruit. If if there were ever a moment that we could point to for the reason that a Christian ethic matters, it's this one. Mm. You will know them by their fruit. The fruit is the ethic, the ethic that comes with the belief in the person of Jesus. Yeah. Um, Messages of healing and restoration. uh, And yeah. Messages of peace and justice. Not of oppression and discrimination and of hurt. No, not at all. I wrote... um, a blog post, by the time this comes out, it'll have been two weeks ago, but I titled it on Faithful Deconstruction. Link is in my bio on Instagram. But I titled it, It's a House Party, Mm. because the deconstruction journey, I'm convinced, should lead you, end you in a place where you've built a faith that you want to share with others. Mm. And the deconstruction journey is just that. It's turning away from, excuse me, it's turning away from the exclusionary narrative that you were given and making way for an inclusive narrative that you want to have. Yeah. That's good fruit. Mm. It's good fruit to be kind. It's good fruit to love your neighbor. I think, I mean, that's another piece of this conversation. 
Jesus is convinced, right, when he's asked, what's the greatest commandment? Do you remember what the greatest commandment is? I don't remember the exact wording, but uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, um, and then love your neighbor as yourself. I actually did remember the exact Look wording. at that. See? You have more faith in yourself. Yeah. That's good fruit. Yeah. That's, that's like the epitome of good fruit because what Jesus says right love after God, love people. Well, right? what like, Jesus says right after that is all of the law and the prophets yeah. is in this truth. It can be summed up in, t- yeah. yeah. It, this, this gets it all. So it's good fruit to love God. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's a single person that listens to this podcast that doesn't love God. Sure. Yeah. How do you love people? Yeah. Yeah. How? How? Oh, this is a real question. How do How, I love people? Young Sage, yes. <laughs> young Sage. <laughs> um, you love people by a number of ways. All that could be summed up in how does Jesus love people, right? Um, inclusivity. Um, equal treatment. Um, or I'm going to rephrase that equity, um, being present with them, right? Like there is a number of different ways you can love people, but I feel like you're looking for something a little bit more specific. Well, I don't, I don't think anything you've said is wrong. Right. Um, there's a more preachy answer. What is your more preachy answer? The golden rule. Oh, treat others the way you want to be treated. Literally, is that not love? Yeah. Like if if you if you were starving and homeless on the side of the road, would you not want someone to give you a meal? Yeah. If you needed a job, would you not want someone to give you a job? If you needed health care, would you not someone want someone to be able to provide that to you? If you were having a bad day, would you not want someone to be kind? Yeah. I mean, literally, all of it, I think... That's the epitome of love hmm. yeah. is when I see someone in positions in the same way, you know, you said equity. Hmm. I think if you were in an underserved and oppressed population, you would want equity. Yeah. And so love would be providing equity to those people. Um, and I'm, I'm going to probably rustle some feathers here, but I've had multiple conversations on this topic with people at Wellhouse Church. I think loving your neighbor and loving others or treating others the way that you want to be treated would also be that if you were on death row, you would not want to be executed. Yeah. Um, I, I think there are a number of different ways that you can love someone simply by asking the question, how would I want to be treated if I was in their shoes? You know, um, I had a client, um, in, in, in my field of practice, it's very common to, um, help your clients set goals for them to reach. Yep. Um, and in one of these conversations, I asked a client, what is a goal that you want to try to accomplish in X amount of time? And, uh. 
they looked at me and said, um, not cuss anybody out in that amount of time. And I was like, I love it. Yeah. Because what is that? That's treating others the way you want to be treated. He doesn't want to be yelled at and cussed out. So in order to promote peace, love, and positivity, right, let's not curse other people out. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it's a simple example, but it's a real-life example. Yes, it is. I think... I think we're all... Honestly, I feel like we're all just trying to make it. Mm-hmm. And because we're all just trying to make it, we're approaching things from our own perspectives and experiences. And those are impacting how we quote unquote love people. Mm. Because we always naturally, for all of us, we choose to love or we choose to do something in a way that's comfortable. Mm rather than pursuing the thing that stretches us to be more like Jesus. But even in that, I think we're all bearing good fruit. I mean, the next verse says, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Now, that's definitely true biologically. Yeah. A little bit harder for me to accept that in a faith term because I would like to place myself in the category of good tree Mm -hmm. as a preacher of the gospel, lover of Jesus believer. Sure. I I think I got some bad fruit at times, Mm -hmm. right? We all commit fruit abuse. So a little bit, a little bit harder for me to do that, but I think, the statement rings true as the final verse of verse 20. Thus, you will know them by their fruits. For Jesus, anyways, and yes, I did skip a verse here. Yeah, and I think that that verse 19 actually kind of gives a little bit more context of what you're trying to see, what you're trying to say. Go ahead, buddy. You want me to try? You can try. I skipped it for time's sake, not because I think it's super problematic. Oh, okay. Um, But, I mean, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. It goes back to that whole uh, parable of the the wheat. Um, In what way? In the way that the, the bad things through grace and restoration are pulled away and burned. And the good things remain. And I think that that is what Jesus is trying to say, like inside of us, through uh, restoration, the bad things are thrown away, but the good things remain. Well, I don't fully think so because you're thinking of it more in like a pruning metaphor. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not. In Jesus' metaphor of the tree and its fruit, the tree is an individual human that is bearing fruit, either good or bad. Mm -hmm. So cutting down the tree that doesn't bear fruit 
is actually, and the way this text is traditionally read, is an act of judgment against an individual who's mm-hmm. not bearing good fruit. Right. Now, once again, every metaphor breaks down at some point because this would not be true because grace would turn a bad fruit, a bad tree into a good tree. Right. So every metaphor breaks down at some level. The truth that this specific text is communicating is that for Jesus, dare I say the epitome of being a person of faith, someone who's following the good prophets and doing the good things, uh, the things of faith, are to be a person of ethic. That's how you know them is by their fruit. Jesus in John 17 says, and they will know you by the way you love one another. Mm. Like that's, that's the thing that will make you identifiably like identifiable is that you love one another, that the outcast loves the outcast. The oppressor loves the, oppressed that all of this redemption is taking place through an ethic that looks like Jesus. Um, That's what fruit is. And I think that's what it means to be fruitful and multiply. I think to be fruitful and multiply the first command is given to humanity in Genesis chapter 1 is literally numerical multiplication. I do think procreation is a part of it um, because that multiplicity metaphor continues throughout the Abrahamic story. Right. Um, so I do think that's a piece of it, but I don't think fruitful and multi- multiplication are synonyms of one another. I think this is saying, hey, I want people of ethic to grow people of ethic. Mm. And hence, you will know them by their fruit. If they really believe me and the message of me, they're not going to overlook the ethic. Mm. Which do with that what you want for a lot of people of power that have done some really heinous things from the pulpit. But no matter how we look at it, we're going to have days where we don't look like we're bearing much good fruit. But I also think that's the message of the cross is that Jesus makes a way to do the things for us that we can't do for ourselves. That's the same thing in the narrative with God. God says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful to Abraham. There are things at play within us that God is doing in his restorative work of redeeming the world, even in ways that we can't see, and instilling an ethic within us and a desire for an ethic, a desire of fruitfulness. I really think the hardest part of the job that we have to do is literally to ask, how would I want to be treated if I were in their shoes? Mm.